untamed, exploring the Texas coast. From Sabine to South Padre, we plan and execute the most exciting and authentic coastal experiences Texas has to offer, including fishing, paddling, surfing, and camping. Brought to you by Untamed Out. My favorite time in the marsh chasing redfish schools is a couple months away, but what is right around the corner is teal season. What better way to spend a couple days chasing teal in the bay than having a great place to stay with your group and all your duck hunting gear than to stay at Fish Camp Rockport. Plenty of space to park your duck rig and get your gear spread out to have a successful hunt the next morning. Go to untamedout.com and select featured properties. There you can search calendar availability, browse pictures, and have a hassle-free booking experience. Our custom containers feature the luxuries of home without compromising the wild of our coastal Texas nature. Enjoy five acres of windblown oak trees and our pond full of bass in addition to the beautiful Texas coast. Fish Camp Rockport is the perfect base camp for any adventure. Again, go to www.untamedout.com to book your stay today. You can listen to this podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back for episode nine. I'm your host, Elliot Barr. And I'm Captain Travis Power, Lone Star Guide. And here today we're going to talk to you about, you guessed it, land-based shark fishing. I've never given shark fishing off the beach a true dedicated try, and I'm glad we did it. What do you think? Yeah, dude, it was a lot. I mean, it was a lot of fun. It was kind of um, a little nostalgic. Yeah? Yeah, do you... you reach back in your in your memories from times you used to fish off the beach yeah i mean that was a high school thing for sure I, you know i i pretty much hadn't done it in a while either but um but no i'm glad you came out i was um i was already in matagorda um working down there so i mean dude it was a it was a quick fun you know a really fun way to not sleep for one night right yeah <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, before we get into the teeth of our last adventure, let's hit on a couple topics here. So you mentioned being in Matagorda. So what have you been doing in Matagorda? What is, what was, you've been, you were there a couple days. I think you were almost there almost a whole week, huh? Oh, dude. Um, I last like two or three weeks, I spent about one day home in Houston and the rest of the time working on the property in Matagorda. Yeah. We got the barn going up right now. We've got a um, major work on the back of the property, um, on the river track, um, but but what I just got back from, we're um, we're building two new duck ponds, or kind of like a duck and a teal pond, mm-hmm. and dude, we're moving a lot of dirt right now, and it's it's dry. We're the drought is so ridiculously dry, so I mean, and that's that's adding some difficulty. Yeah, but um, super pumped, man. So that makes it harder, not easier, to work in not a swamp. Well, the yeah, so we've got a low point, but the actual low point's pretty small, mm-hmm. and we're expanding it. And it, right now, it's hard to to dig in the dirt, man. The, the scrapers can't even dig right now, so we're having to break it up with a disc. You know, two or three passes with a disc, and then the scrapers can just scrape basically what's broken up. Yeah, and um, we're building some levees and some flood control so we got a big watershed we've probably got like a 500 acre watershed yeah and uh, we're going to catch it in a bigger duck pond and then we're going to be able to transfer that to the smaller teal area and uh, and it and it correlates really good with some natural kind of freshwater wetland low spots that we have nearby too so 
So um, super pumped. I think we're going to be pulling a lot of birds off the bay looking yeah. for fresh water, uh-huh. you know. Uh, we're going to be pulling a lot of a lot of gators. <laughs> We've been seeing those a lot too already. Right. And um, and then we're going to be able to navigate the property a little bit better. So I think it'll be super super cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and with teal season around the corner, the other season that we have coming around the corner is dove and white wing. Oh, right? dude, and dove, dude, dove is off the charts right now, man. I mean, I, I I read on Texas Parks and Wildlife, you know, one of their posts that right. said it's like the dove numbers were up like 25% over last year. Right. Yeah, something. I saw the same thing. That's... Did you? And, dude, I, I tell you, man, because we, you know, a lot of that property work, you know, I, I, I broke up the front section mm-hmm. and uh, dissed it and we were kind of smoothing it out and, and, and it hadn't rained at all since disking it. So it's all goat weed. Yeah. And you talk about dove. They, they love that stuff, dude. And they are in it, dude. Every morning, every evening, I can just sit right there where I'm building the barn and I can just watch, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 dove just like flying with nothing happening, you yeah, know? And, right. it's, and it's insane how they're pour, pouring into that field, man. But it's, um, and just constantly, it's like constant, you know, what you want to see, just constant birds in the air. Right. And yeah, you, dude, you drive your truck through it, dude, and you're flushing. You, it's unreal, man. I'm getting pumped about dove hunting right there. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I wonder how many people hunt the fields around that area if they're gonna get much pressure at all. You know, typically out in the hill country, as soon as dove season starts, day one, doves, uh, their their patterns change, right? Yeah, I know the neighbors to the north. Well, I mean, everybody hunts down there, all the neighbors. But I think we're in a pretty good spot to where, to where we're not going to have a lot of pressure. Yeah. You know, and because uh, we got a lot of room down there, and and the way the properties are lined up. Um. But yeah, you know, I, and I've been there too, right? Like. It looks good right now, and it's right. great, but you never know what'll happen. As soon right? as that first couple of shotgun blasts go off, yeah. then they they change their tune. Well, we're we're south zone too, right? right? And so, what is it? Two or three weeks behind, you know? Yeah, for Dove uh, General, so you have the first two weekends, you know, the weekend of September second, the weekend after that is White Wing special, uh, White Wing season, so. Yeah, South Zone. Uh, for those of you that aren't uh, haven't dove hunted or aren't familiar with the different zones, we have a South Zone, Central Zone, and a North Zone, and they're broken up by uh, Highway Ten, I Ten, and Highway Twenty, um, and that that's what breaks up the zones. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. But it'll be fun. We'll get out there for the special season for sure. Yeah, and um, for uh, the first weekend, I've actually got plans, and I think. You're playing with the idea of joining me, but Buck Hook is putting on a third annual uh, white wing hunt for that first weekend. They're going to have dove hunting. Uh, I think they're charging maybe 40 bucks per vehicle. So if you want to check them out and you're down in South Texas, Buck Hook on Instagram, uh, 40 bucks per vehicle. Oh, dude. Have... Yeah, I remember that. I, I would like, I, dude, I got so much work. I, I don't know. I would love to get down there because I can guarantee you. What is it? Forty bucks per vehicle? Yeah. In the valley? Right. Like that's gonna speak to people. It's gonna be insane. Yeah, and they're, I, I, I bet they're gonna have quite the turnout. I mean, they're gonna have. They got a. I mean, a lot of the guys down there I grew up with. So we, you know, they're gonna have barbecue. They're gonna have music. Uh, just you know, a good time. People, 
people down where I'm from like to host and and enjoy people, have a barbecue and just have a good time. No, that so, that yeah. that's gonna be big, man. I mean, they've done this, but they've never done one that big, right? Yeah, I've never I've not attended the first two annuals, so um, I'm I'm excited. To That'll be, be fun. There. Yeah. It'll be tough though, man. I'd hate to miss out on the the, it's the hard special to get away season from work for you. my place, yeah. dude. The work's nonstop, man. Like that's why we had to push the podcast, right? Because you were like, "Hey, dude, let's do a podcast," and I was like, "This is gonna be the first time I've had like twenty four hours straight at my house." Right. And I was like, "Nah, dude, we gotta push it." So right on, man. That that's that's pretty good. You know, there's one big thing that I think we need to hit on because God, man, it's it's everywhere I look on Facebook. Right. Constantly. I mean, like, you. I, I think I open the phone up and it's just sending me those notifications just regarding this thing. Yeah. So what's changing August thirty first? That's the trout regulations, man. Back yeah. whole state five fish, fifteen to twenty five. And I think the big kicker, what's really got so many people worked up, is that being able to keep one over 25. Yeah. And, um, and man, it's a tough one because I've seen some crazy stuff on Facebook, right? Like, I've seen, I've seen people that are like, we need to, like, we need to march to the Capitol <laughs> and demand they lower the limits to two trout. Yeah. You know, 18 and a half to 19 inches. No, I'm joking on the last part. But, um... <laughs> But serious about the two trout and 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 dude, I mean, I, I don't I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know if it's got any any research backed up to it. I mean, it doesn't you know. But the I think we're we've got this perfect storm happening because you can get the all you know all ends of the spectrum can get really fired up on these on this on the rule change, right? Yeah. Because you got, you know, I don't know if you want to call it like the crazies or, you know, whatever on that end, you know. And then, you know, I think it's pretty, like, there's not many people that I talk to that think we should go back to keeping one over 25 inches. Yeah. You know, so you've got, that's what kind of scares me is because I think it's serious. I think that people should make their voices heard. You know, maybe, you know, like, go talk, you know, submit your comments, go to the the, the public opinion sessions and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, if you also, get... Yeah, also, I think, let us know what you think and email us at info at untamedout.com and kind of give us a little take of what our listeners think. Yeah, for sure, you know, right? I mean, I, you know, as a guide and knowing more guides and kind of being into there... The the over slot part is tough for me, um, and not that I don't think you shouldn't be able to keep one. I think like I've kept fish over twenty five inches. Mm-hmm. I've probably kept probably too many. If I if I knew the number of fish over twenty five inches that I've kept and it was like published, like I would be like I would be like shunned from the fishing community. <laughs> but that was normal. I mean, when I, when I was growing up, we used to put stringers of fish over twenty five together. Uh-huh. You know. And, uh, and no, I don't think it's right. I don't think that we have the um, the fisheries to sustain that, you know. Yeah. And so, should somebody that comes to the, you know, fishes once a month or three times a summer, should they be able to catch one over twenty five? I think, yeah, for sure. You know, mm-hmm. I know a lot of guides. I know a lot of boats that can go out twice a day and pull and bring back four twenty five inch plus fish. You know. There's a, there's a difference. So how do you handle that? Like, I don't know, man. That's a tough one. That's a tough one for me. Yeah. And, I mean, I think you have to give credit to people that do care about the fishery. And, I mean, like, 
myself, I've I've probably kept a handful over 25 just because I don't fish for trout that often. Um, and um, I'm, I'm mainly targeting redfish in the marsh. But, um, yeah, I think there's there's still some credit to be taken in people that want to see the big fish thrive. And if, if I'm catching a fish over 25, I'm probably just going to let it go because... There's no, you know, there's no sense in me keeping, if I'm catching trout, I might catch one or two or three trout, but I'm not putting coolers together. Hey man, you know, if I could, if I had, you know, if I could be the ruler, you know, and just make the, the, the law, right. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty simple to me. It's like, yeah, dude, let's do five trout, but 15 to 20, you yeah. know, like I, I just, I don't see how people can argue with that one. Right. Yeah. I mean the, you know, as far as that the range of trout 15 to to 17 you know i think it's i think from what i've read it's like you know the mostly the males you know all the science that i've seen but just from experience i can tell you that 17 to 23 and at three fish and five fish at 15 to 20 you're killing the same number of fish because mm-hmm. I mean, when you're weeding through, and and I see these boats that do it, you know, and they have to weed through a whole bunch of 15 and 16s to get their box of 17s, and when you're doing that, you're having the same or worse effect on that fish population than if you just kept the first five fish from yeah. 15 to 20. I, 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 you know, I think I, we could go on and on about you know what people think and this and that. I appreciate Texas Parks and Wildlife. They do a good job. They, they do a good job with the numbers and stuff. But, but the reality of it is, man, we've got a lot of pressure on these bays. These bays are more valuable when we have a trophy trout fishery. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard to deny that we've got to keep the bigger trout in the water. Yeah. Well, I think they should go back to a 10-fish limit. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. 12 to 15 10-fish. Yeah. And the well, that's kicker what it used is, to be when I was growing up was ten fish. Oh no, that's why we used to put ten, ten, ten fish stringers of big trout, dude. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. And um, but no, I think you know, you know, it's constantly goes back to the guides and you know, it's like right. you're making one rule to fit everything, and, yeah. it, and it's tough. You know, it's right. like what would be great is people just kept the first five fish they caught. You know, yeah. instead of catching fifty trout. You know. Tossing back. Yeah, and, and you're killing five, one out of ten probably, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's it, it's a tough one, but it'll it'll always be the whole, it'll be like the, the recreational versus guide versus, you know, part-time guide. Or, you know, in the hunting and fishing community, it's everybody against everybody, which, and then and then they all have to pick by one set of rules, you know? Mm-hmm. It's tough, but we, we got to work together. I think if we can just work together and get the trophy fishery established the importance of that then we're just arguing about the numbers from you know you know what i mean yeah. five versus four versus three like that's fine we can we can work that out but we really got to come together on the on the trophy aspect of the fishery yeah well more to come like i say if you want to share your opinion drop us a line on info at untamedout.com and uh we'll We'll uh, touch base again. I'm sure we're going to hear more about it as uh, well, August 31st yeah. comes. No, exactly, man. I mean, and tell me if I'm wrong, too. You know, maybe you think differently of me. I, I know I know a lot of people really, really, they want that three, you know. Um, you know, I, I'm a little, you know, selfish, just like everybody. And I'll be honest with you, man. Since going to three trout, those redfish are getting beat up. Sure. You know, and, 
and and I like redfish. I mean, that's most of my guiding fall, you know, mm-hmm. wintertime uh, redfish. And, you know, so, you know, I, I'd like to see a little less pressure on the redfish, too, yeah. just for my own sake. But, um, but yeah, let us know. Yeah, well, you talk about fall. Um, you know, the past couple mornings have borderline been a little bit pleasant. I get out of the house at 5 a.m. and I think it wasn't 90 degrees when I walked out my door. Mm-hmm. You get out of the house at 5 a.m. Yeah. Almost pleasant, sitting in air conditioning the rest of the day. Come talk to me. Yeah, correct. <laughs> it's still uh, hot. I mean, I'm not saying it was <laughs> maybe this is the 15-minute window when I left, but, uh, you know, we, you know, we're still in a drought. Oh, where's the hurricanes at? Are we... Oh, uh, dude. Are, I think, are we expecting to... Just wait until the the very end, and then we're just going to get hammered back to back to back. Dude, we were talking about this um, with the the guy that's doing the dirt work for me right now, or that's you know piloting this scraper. Uh-huh. And like it's hot, man. It's going to happen. Yeah. We're starting to see tropical activity. We're going to see it, and dude, that ground is so hard right now. If we get like a big storm before mm-hmm. we get some rains, like that that water can't go back into that ground. Yeah, it is going to just rush into all the spillways and floodways, and mm-hmm. and then yeah, that's tough, man. It's if we could get a little bit moisture back in the ground first, then we'll be a lot better off, though. Yeah, oh for sure. And I I keep track of a, I get a daily hurricane report during hurricane season, and everything's been staying off the coast of Africa, but um, I think there's a couple disturbances making their way over number 29 is out by puerto rico which isn't probably going to amount to much i think there's 20 percent of development chance um into next week but i mean we'll just see well that i mean yeah if we could get something small push up you know that would probably be ideal get these bays flushed out get some get some moisture back in the dirt yeah um but um but yeah man i I don't know dude i you know it's it's the end of august where it always kind of gets pretty hairy so yeah we'll figure it out yeah, that's for sure. And last Labor Day, I know that getting uh, getting rained on at Fish Camp Rockport. Um, so then now's the time we're about to start getting some rain. Uh, right on, dude. Well, well, I guess that's probably enough of our uh, jibber jabber. Yeah. But um, so what's new with Untamed? Well, like we talked about, teal season's around the corner. Um, Fish Camp Rockport is not only the best place to bring your gear and your boats for uh fishing in the bay but duck hunting right i mean well yeah dude for sure fish camp rockport hunting dog approved you know what i mean yeah like that i know when you're traveling with your dog and your boat it's tough sometimes to get that figured out but um but yeah dude go to fish camp um i, I said matagordo we are trying to build the um duck ponds right now so if we can get some water, yeah. <laughs> we'll have some pretty good setup. I might I might do some cast and blast. And you know what I was really thinking too is um, while we're working on you know Fish Camp Matagorda, yeah, is offering some primitive camping down there. Oh, that'd be cool. Kind of some overlanding or tent camping type of thing. Or? Yeah, tent camping. Yeah, bring your Jeep. You know, with your with your rooftop tent. Uh huh. Right on the banks of the Colorado. It, it's such a cool spot, and I, I can kind of you know I can kind of rough out a little campground. Yeah. And if that was the case, I could even come back up the river and like pick you up with a skiff. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you were down, you're you're basically sandwiched between two real large ranches. Yeah. On our ranch. 
and um, and it's just a really neat, really remote place. Come back up the river, pick you up from the skiff, you know, mm-hmm. take you out, and I think it'd be cool. I bet there's some people that probably be down for that. I think I, ha- I think I know a few people that'd be down for that. Yeah, I think maybe right now, if you want to do it, uh, you're gonna have to reach out to us via email or on Instagram. But I think maybe what do we maybe we put that as a a booking option on our website potentially. Yeah, for sure. You know, we've been talking about those experiences. Yeah. So yeah, I would think that yeah, I could probably. I could probably allot a few days and, and, yeah, put it out there and see who's interested. And it's like, yeah, dude, you can come, camp, uh, go fish. If you time it right, cast and blast with a dove, yeah. um, teal, you know, make it happen. Awesome. I like it. Well, I think it's about time we transition into the trip that we went on this past weekend. Um, like I mentioned at the beginning, uh, we and uh, in our preparation discussion last podcast, we are uh, land-based shark fishing in uh on matagorda beach right oh yeah and that's what we talked about right in the intro and you know bringing back a little bit of nostalgia but yeah dude i enjoyed it man you came out there uh met me out there and and yeah that evening we we basically you know what do we do we we hit the beach and we went past three mile and kind of set up shop there right right yeah and um i think I was I had some high expectations just because I always have high expectations when we plan a trip but um I think there's definitely some challenges and um I mean I was well. like you know ready to get all the things I needed watch you know watch and read everything I needed to get prepared and I, I enjoyed that part yeah, you did. I, I was skeptic. Um, you know, I was watching the weather, and, and I was like, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. And you were like, no, I just want to do it. And, and eventually I changed my tune, right? You know, and I was like, you know what? We'll, we'll have fun. We'll, we'll go do this. This is, this is it's just, you know, it's, it's like when you want to start doing something, you just got to do it, even yeah. if the conditions aren't ideal. Well, and that I think that was... Uh that was just it as the conditions weren't ideal that it was windy all week. You'd been in Matagorda working on the property. And so you, you were watching the wind and, uh, I think you went to the beach a couple of times and went surfing with the kids. You know, I goofed week. on the, on the report too. And uh-huh. I didn't think about it until recently thinking about the trip. But I remember I told you, I was like, yeah, it'll be rough. It's windy. I was like, but there's no weed. Uh huh. And that's, this dumb surfer's report <laughs> because <laughs> when you're surfing, I just jump on the board and cross the top of the water. And yeah, the floating weed was not bad. Right. But man, every one of those guts was filled up with that. Like, what, who do you just call like it? a translucent seaweed. Yeah. That, uh, it's, it's not much bigger than the palm of your hand. It's not like big globs, but after a while of it collecting. Well, when you walk mind, around yeah. in those guts, you know, it's, it's just, yeah, like the, the individual clumps are not too big, but it's just got those guts loaded up. And it is in the water. It still collects on your right. line. Um, right on. Yeah, but, but, but so we picked Matagorda. And, right. and, uh, man, it's really cool because it's a special place to me. I, um, I love that beach. I think it worked out great because we went, how far past three mile do you think we went? Uh, I didn't measure it, but I'd have to guess maybe a mile and a half or so. I mean, we didn't Not go far. very far. Yeah. Not far. And do we have, were we, we were by ourselves. Yeah. You know yeah, what and I mean? And I think that's when we, you know, there was some people out there, um, on, you know, kind of the evening time, uh, and we just pushed past all the vehicles and gave ourselves, you know, 500 yards on each side. 
I think that we could still see a vehicle on, on either side. But... Yeah, when we stopped, yeah, you could see one vehicle on both sides. Yeah. You know, and then they ended up leaving. And, right. and of course, there's there's a you know bunch of people way down the beach, but you can spread out. You oh, know? yeah. You can get away, and that's really neat. The beach conditions were better than I had seen it recently, but they're still pretty rough. But we got both our trucks back there, no problem. Yeah, and it was low tide when we headed out, too. Um, I think low tide was set to hit about 9 p.m., and we got on the beach. We, we get tires on the sand probably 6.30. Um, so, yeah, we got to cruise that hard-packed uh, low tide sand, and um, and it wasn't due to come back up to high tide until about 7 a.m. the next morning. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, 10 to 15 mile an hour winds and two to three foot waves. I mean, uh, being that uh, you've got a paddleboard and a couple surfboards and stuff like that, kind of the plan was uh, paddle out baits with the paddleboard, right? And uh, I think a couple days prior, um, started considering or reconsidering after all the skeptics on the conditions is like uh, maybe we should get just like maybe get a 10 or 12 foot ocean kayak pa- uh, <laughs> yeah, kayak or but uh no we just uh you know that we stuck with the plan and that was why i was skeptic you know i was like yeah dude we don't we don't have to buy anything you know i've got the i've got some big rods we got this we'll paddle out with surfboards and the you know watching the weather and then realizing how committed you were uh-huh. yeah you know i was like you know what kayak might not be bad and uh but no dude so we did that we brought so i brought my um my surf sup right yeah and uh i think i would have not brought that one now knowing you know i kind of thought bigger stable would have been better but a little kind of like paddle on a barge and yeah. a little tough to punch through the waves right <laughs> yeah and i I didn't know. I mean, I had a couple ideas on how to transport the bait out with a surfboard, you know, because typically on a kayak, you would put the bait and your weight and the leader and everything in the back compartment of your kayak and just cruise on out and drop it and not have to worry about it being tangled up in your feet or in your fin or anything like that. But I think we came up with it. We devised a pretty good little uh, way. Single bungee cord. Yeah. Yeah. Wrap it around in front of the fin. Hold it on. Yeah. Um, we had some learning. We had a steep learning curve. For one, I was working all day. We got out there like right at dusk. Yeah. You know, and um, and so we're already a little bit behind the gun. <laughs> you know, super choppy surf. I mean, you know, three foot surf, right? Probably waist high, but just washing machine style right. out there. You know, which was just kind of made it garbage. And. Um, and, and yeah, so we we had to learn. We kind of learned real fast that this is not easy, you know. It's a team effort, right? Yeah. One person kind of go out the second bar. If you want to swim, go to the third bar, hold the rod. Mm-hmm. We uh, we bungee corded around the paddleboard's fin, you know. Yeah. We took off first. I kind of thought, I was like, oh, I think I can get through it paddle, like paddleboard style. And that was a quick wash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, eventually, it eventually worked out and we got the baits out. I mean, not after you trolled out there with the paddleboard at dusk <laughs> with the stingray tail. Um, what else happened? I sliced my foot open with a shark hook, stuck a shark hook in the surfboard. I mean, we, we had the challenges, but they were over. We overcame and got the baits out. That's all that matters, right? Right. Yeah, well, and I think that my favorite part of the entire experience was 
I mean, and it is usually for most trips is preparing for the trip. And so I didn't, like you said, you had some of the big uh, surf rod gear and stuff like that. I didn't have a big six out reel. I didn't have any of that. I mean, I've got some medium weight spinning rods, but um, so I was kind of excited. I got, I went up to Fishing Tackle Unlimited and got myself a, a pin six aught. Um, what do they call those? Senator reels. They're Senator, pretty, pretty yep. typical. Mm-hmm. The red, know. the like you know, it's got the star drag on the side, the big exactly. handle. Yeah. yeah. So I got myself one of those. Got it spooled up with. Um, I got it spooled up with sixty pound braid and no eighty pound braid and a sixty pound mono filament top shot and just. In my preparations, I'd read a little bit on on blogs, read you know, watched some YouTube videos, and um, so got geared up with that. And then we didn't have any shark leaders. Right? Oh yeah, dude, you came prepared on the shark leaders for sure. Yeah, so I just doing some high level looking around. How do people make shark leaders? And there's everything from. I mean, everybody has their own method, and so I picked one that I thought was realistic and stuck with it, and so. Uh, while I was at Fishing Tackle Unlimited, they have some terminal tackle, but uh, not the stuff I was looking for. They had a couple of items here and there, but most of the stuff I could get like one or two day uh, delivery on Amazon. So I decided, said, okay, well, let me just get all the stuff I need in one box and I'll put leaders together towards the end of the week. Um, And so the leaders pretty well, I mean, for the ones we were going to use with big uh, baits, pretty much consisted of a 24-aught hook, Circle hook? Yeah. I, I think you have to fish circle hooks these days. You do. You yeah. do? Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, you hold one of those in your hand. It's about the size of your palm. And I'm <laughs> going, okay, we'll stick with this. I don't know what we're going to catch with this. I'm hopefully a 13-foot tiger shark. Yeah. The other, yeah. We with probably wouldn't have stuck a hook through a surfboard if we didn't have such gigantic hooks. And I can promise you we would not have known what to do with, what with a shark that big. Well, <laughs> neither are geared. Look, I, I did my research and I know what we needed. Okay. So, um, and so I went with a method of about a six foot steel leader. So I used steel cable with crimps. And, um, from what I've found is with the steel leader, you're supposed to use copper crimps. And, uh, and then with the monofilament leader, you use aluminum crimps. And so I got about a six foot. Uh, steel leader with uh, double crimps on the hook side and then double crimps on a swivel and those swivels are thousand pound swivels and so pretty sizable i've never used a thousand pound swivel before um but yeah just just good size enough to get that steel leader through one side and uh and then you're using a mono leader on the other side and so some guys use you can get 300 pound mono leader and you're probably using somewhere around 25 to 30 feet of uh of a mono leader and there's a couple reasons for that and and there's some arguments to be made around the 300 pound mono leader which is which is good for abrasion against the shark when they're turning and you're not going to get cut off uh but I went with a. I really wanted a thousand pound mono leader because of, because of this argument that I saw. But um, ended up only finding six hundred pound mono, and so worked with that. But the idea there is, if you're you got a thirty foot mono leader, and and as you're reeling in, you know you get to the sandbar, and you're not going to reel that fish over the sandbar, and you're either going to go to the fish and put a line around its tail, from what I understand. 
and or you're going to grab that mono leader and try to not cut your hands with gloves on and pull it over that bar so you can handle the fish right um so uh some some guys said th- 300 pounds too small a diameter you cut your hands if that shark turns its head and pulls the leader through your hands and whatnot so that was kind of my thought process and i think probably a little bit too far into things sometimes but dude i'm impressed all right first off impressed and and i knew that gear was legit when i saw it too yeah it's tricky i think where we're at um especially where we were that that you know what you're talking about is a big, big shark, right? Yeah. I've never caught a big, big shark. Um, I was ready. Yeah, and um, <laughs> it, but that bar is still pretty deep because you're gonna work in that first gut. You know that's where you can work and handle the shark and keep it in the water. Yeah. Um, everything that I've caught, you know, it's a little more manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, but and that was to my point too is that 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 six aught. Um, Pins and you know real yeah dude you get six foot shark on that dude you're gonna be worn out yeah. man I promise you and um, and and you know, I have no idea what you're gonna do with a twelve foot shark right? right with that big gear but but we were prepared you know I mean I think we could have I think you know we would have given it our best shot and I think we were doing it the right way to make sure you had the right gear so you're not breaking off too easy or leaving hooks and sharks or stuff like that right. Yeah, and uh, so that was the big. That was my plan for the big drops, and so that I, you know, you kind of also talked me into okay. Well, maybe we need something that's geared more towards the four to six foot shark, right? And so something more like a twelve aught hook, um, also with a steel leader, but not quite so long, maybe uh, two to three foot, and then uh, a mono leader behind that where you could cast with uh, you know you have those spin fisher sixes with 8500 mm-hmm. um those capacity are my, those are my big tarpon setup right yeah. and so we stopped and got a couple of 12 foot casting rods so that way we could uh you know cast some baits out rather than uh, paddling them out and kind of work uh two lengths away from the beach so um we we did do that so uh, well and that, that was, was a yeah you had a legit setup on those too because even in my mind you know, I, I figured you would have taken that 300, 600 mono, and uh, mm-hmm. and you'd made you know, and you'd make a leader out of that. Yeah. To pull those sharks in, but I mean, that's still leader. You know, that's what you need. Yeah. So, I, I think there's an argument of whether sharks can see it or not. Right. Or sense it, or I, I don't know exactly. I need to get a little bit more tuned into that. Yeah, one thing that I did notice uh, when people, uh, the different leader uh, making videos that I watched, uh, it's it's very popular on the on the uh, connection point from the steel leader to the hook to either have a heat shrink uh, sleeve that you slip on there and heat shrink down on there to keep the hook from dangling around. Um, and I always thought that it was to uh, kind of create a, a barrier of... Uh, you know, or I guess a barrier between the steel leader and and the water, um, because of that sensing that you're talking about, but from the shark. But um, yeah, I just used a uh, I just used electrical tape and wound from the the shank of the hook up maybe like six or eight inches um, to the steel leader, which keeps that steel leader and hook connection kind of uh, static when you're when you're hooking the bait in and and dropping it. Um, so. But yeah, we um, once we got those baits out. I mean, we set one bait out, and uh, I so think. So what we, bait were we using? 
Yeah, so that's a good point. We we obviously didn't have jacks or we didn't have stingrays of our own, right? So, so we, we didn't catch. Bait. Yeah, we bought bait. We didn't we didn't catch any bait, which bums me out a little bit because I, I would have liked to really kind of just focus. You know, spend a whole day, get out to the beach, catch the bait, throw the cast net. You know, I thought that would kind of be the whole experience that we want uh, to talk about. But I was working, so we bought bait. Yeah, and I was, uh, if we had planned our podcast out a little bit uh, further out in advance, that trip that I went on and caught those jacks, I mean, we could have, I could have gutted those and put them in a vacuum seal and freeze them in, in preparation for this trip, but didn't have the foresight there. And fortunately, there's a couple of bait shops in uh, Matagorda that do carry shark bait, right? Yeah, two real good ones, man. I mean, Buddies is great. They always got stuff, and then you got Rawlings on yeah. the cut. And, um, so yeah, we went to Buddies, mm-hmm. and you bought and man, you were ahead of me because I got into the store, and then we were already like wheelbarrowing out the bait. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, like uh, like my preparations with gear, uh, I didn't want to be shorthanded on bait, so <laughs> they had in their uh, stingrays in the freezer, just like in the deep freeze, just in there. I'm like. I walk in, and I've never bought shark bait before. I walk in, I go, I'm looking for shark bait. They're like, okay, over there in the deep freezer, I open it up, and full stingrays, I'm like, okay, uh, let's do it. Uh, I'll take two. <laughs> and so they have, you know. And these these are sting, I mean, these were, these were like, what, two-foot-wide stingrays? Yeah, so they say they had longer. small, medium, and large. I guess I got the medium. Uh, they had bigger ones than that. Yeah. Goodness. Um, and uh, and so and and I'd seen you know stingrays being used for bait, so I was prepared for that. And uh, so we got some stingray. Um, I'd got a box, uh, like a five-pound box of squid, just if in case we wanted to throw that on the casting rods. And uh, got some fresh mullet that um, had just been caught that day and was was not frozen. Um, and same thing there, using that to cast out. Um, but, yeah, so we grabbed our bait and then uh, had to make a stop by Stanley's, right? Get some snacks. Yeah, I got some snacks. What, what did I eat? I think I had like a – what did I have that night? Oh, yeah, I saved barbecue. Oh, shout out Coastal Q Barbecue in Matagorda. They're open like Thursday through Saturday, I think, uh-huh. just for lunch. But, man, they're worth it. So I got an extra pound of brisket and a, a can of Pringles. So I was pretty set all night. Nice. Yeah, that you you did share your brisket with me too. It's very good, um, and I got typical snack pack and Proshek's, uh summer sausage and uh, and cheese set up. So yeah, it didn't take much to keep us set up for. No, we had a trip. lean we had a lean shark camp, but it, it really made it nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I think if we do it again, I mean, I was th- when I was packing my truck, and I only had like the back quarter of the truck full of stuff even though i had a generator i had lights on stands i had a table with a cutting board and i had a surfboard and what i was like i feel like i'm not bringing enough stuff and i was like i could bring my disc with a propane setup and we could cook the scala on the beach no, man, dude, like, it, just just cold brisket out of the ice chest man make it simple I had a surfboard, I had the rods, had the rod holders, and um, and the cool thing that we had that we didn't know about, that, that my truck's a generator now. Yeah. Your uh, 5,000 horsepower uh, yeah, my F-250. Yeah, super, my, super, my super, super duty F-250. 
Yeah, dude, it's got a 2,000 watt. What did I say? 2,000 watt plug in the bed. Yeah, it's really curious how it worked. But yeah, dude, we just when we needed lights, we just let that thing idle all night and ran the lights. And... Yeah, I definitely forgot about that one because I had uh, my 8,000 watt generator that we use here at the house whenever we if we lose power during a winter storm or hurricane or something like that, hook up to the house. But um, yeah, didn't even have to pull that out of the truck. We just hooked our, our two contractor lights on, on a stand up to the back of your truck, and which was it, great because it provided plenty of light for us to just kind of work around the trucks. And, and a couple chairs, yeah. table, knife, bait. I mean, it was simple, man. And, and that dude, that's where you enjoy the beach. I know a lot of people don't like the beach, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, well, obviously, if I had to carry that much shit out here, too, I wouldn't like it either. Yeah. Um, so it was super simple. I, I bet my truck was not cheap though. Running, I think I used like an eighth of tank of diesel. Yeah. But it was worth it, you know, for a quick trip like that. It made it, the creature comforts were nice. We, uh, we were able to hang out most of the night. And, um, yeah, dude, we had a fun shark. I, I, dude, I know I could go off the deep end too. I had fun. Like, I definitely get it. Like, the shark racks and getting up higher out of the weed and fighting the fish and, I mean, I, and I get it. Drones and kayaks and jet skis and yeah. I mean, I I know you can get lost in that world. Oh, but and we that's had another thing camp. is I we you know looking at uh, kayaks. I'm also on Facebook Marketplace looking at. I mean, can we get a shark rack that's already made? <laughs> like <laughs> I'm looking at these aluminum shark racks. Guys are getting out of the sport and you know selling them for two thousand bucks. I'm like. $2,000 for a shark rack isn't that bad of a deal. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. We're going for one trip. Oh, I don't need to buy a $2,000 shark rack. I need a store in the back. No, I think, that, I think this is, I think we're going to do this more often. And, uh, and, I, and I could see a scenario where we get outfitted a little better. Yeah. You know? But we still keep it pretty lean, you know? And sure. we could, in that way, we say, hey, you know, conditions are right. You know, let's go. Right. And uh, I think it'd be a lot of fun, man. Yeah. The alternative to the shark rack was, you, like you said, you had those PVC rod holders that we set a couple in the sand. And then I made, I had some rod holders that uh, I made a makeshift uh, low-profile shark rack and uh, attached them to the backside of a washerboard that fit between my truck rail and the, the wheel well, the back of the truck, and strapped it in. So uh, I was able to... You know, we put, uh, I think, one of the rods on there um, to hold it up. So Yeah, we, I mean, we had a good, good. spread, yeah. but, I mean, that was it. So that was our trip. So we had um, so we had a lot of prep work, a lot of time getting out to the beach, which is a lot of fun. We had, you know, we had so the challenges. Um, you know, the most notable parts to me are, you know, it's just us getting the baits out at the beginning of the trip, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and it was, it was fun and tiring. And then we, um, and then, you know, basically it was, you know, just a big whiff, man, right? Like, what did we end up catching? 50 pounds of seaweed? Yeah. Zero fish? <laughs> yeah, that first rod we set out was kind of at, you know, I was thinking about it earlier today, kind of, we set the line out and then the wind was blowing from the south, right? That's the way that that seaweed's collecting on the line. And, uh, we kind of had the, the bait out north. So seaweed would go to the line and then go down towards the bait rather than the, the line we had set out to the south of our setup was sending seaweed up the line towards the rod, which you could kind of fish well, some we, of that off. And like, we caught a lot of seaweed to begin with yeah. on getting the bait paddling the bait out uh -huh. 
And, and it's a losing battle, especially yeah. when you have it that way. So the other way you had a, um, you had that seaweed kind of blowing up in the line and right. you could keep it tight. I mean, we had the right weights. We got all the baits planted. We got them all set. But the problem is, and, and one of the reasons why is that, you know, that chunk of stingray, that chunk of mullet, I think we had one squid, was probably sitting under, you know, who knows how much seaweed yeah. out there in those guts. Uh, so, I mean, that that was it, but we called it, you know, we called it pretty early. What did we call it, like 1 or 2 in the morning? Yeah, something like that. I think you said, uh, you know, we could go back to Fish Camp Matagorda and sleep, hang, in, a sleep in the camper. With air conditioning? And, and get up in the morning and go surf. You know, there's still 2 to 3 foot surf, fun morning swell, and, and go get breakfast after that and said hmm, and that dude, sounds pretty good that yeah that made the trip for me because we um we we got we had all the planning we got everything set out there kind of mission accomplished instead of just beating ourselves up not catching a shark dude we went back got some sleep and uh because i was watching that wind too you know and i was like dude I, the surf's gonna clean up like yeah. it's gonna go from not washing machine to you know pretty decently clean so we slept for a few hours. I mean, dude, we got up like 6 o'clock that morning, and, and I had fun, man. You know what I mean? Getting yeah. back out to the beach, no rods, super light, just had the boards, and um, and up there close to the jetty, dude, and just just overall good time, man. Yeah, a longboard's perfect for mornings like that. I mean, it was high tide, clean surf, sit on the backside, and I mean, nobody out there. There was no... No, zero. Yeah. It was just us. Right. What, and on a weekend morning, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. maybe, shh, you know, like, <laughs> uh, don't, but yeah, dude, I mean, we're out there by ourselves, um, and I would say, what do you, what, I mean, what do you think, seven to eight, pretty clean surf? In the morning? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it, uh, it was, it, the swells were pretty spread out, so, you know, you'd, you'd have a couple small waves you could catch, and then there was maybe one in a good set of three waves that uh, took you into the first sandbar. Which yeah. was pretty fun. I mean, on the longboard, that's, you know, not more you can ask for. Dude, and, and too, um, and so that made the trip, and I was worn out, man. The night before, it was like battle, you know, trying to get the baits out yeah. there. And then and then we just had a lot of fun. And, dude, I guess 9 o'clock rolled in, and it was just turning, it was getting choppy, yeah. starting to get blown out. And we went back and got breakfast, dude, and I was starving, man. Uh-huh. Double-ordered breakfast at Cassidy's. Um, ate like a wild person and then do wrapped up a good trip man it's a lot of fun and anybody can do that right oh absolutely and uh man you talk about being sore uh monday my <laughs> upper body was hurting dude I, the paddle and the baits out there dude just what we were doing that, that took a because i could tell i was sore even that next morning yeah. you know what i mean right and uh but it was good it was a physical activity oh yeah I love we were it. on the beach and uh and and that's why i say we're gonna do this one again we're, yeah. we've got to do it again get the conditions right because if if you added a shark and all that stuff man it would have been perfect oh yeah i'm gonna get a jet ski next time i'm just making an excuse to buy a jet ski <laughs> hey i'm done with that man <laughs> um but that was that trip i mean we need to talk about what's next or what are you thinking well um this weekend and next weekend, we're looking at what we're what our availability looks like, and uh, I'm gonna head to. I, I was talking to you about going to Galveston. My wife had set up some family pictures this coming weekend, and uh, I think 
you know, we can tr- you, we saw those tarpon off of uh, Port A's coastline. Uh, what do you think about tarpon? Oh, you're hooked now, right? Yeah, we yeah, you're hooked. I can look. tell. Just go look. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I, it's it's the time, man. I mean, and Galveston's great. I love Galveston, so I would say, yeah, for sure. Like y'all are gonna be at um, Galveston Island State Park. Yeah, which is super. Is it your first time? Staying there, yeah. We're going to help the camper up there. They just redid that whole park, and it is super nice, man. We had the kids out there this summer, and um, and unbelievable what they did, man. Everybody on, you know, I went Matagorda needs to do that, um, even Mustang Island. Like, they, they fixed it up, right? So y'all are going to enjoy that. Y'all are out there? Yeah, for sure, man. Let's go look for tarpon. You know, we're getting towards the end of the summer. Um, we should see, you know, everything pretty calm laying down. I like to have really calm, you know, I'm not, I don't got a big boat, you know, not like some big whaler or, you know, something. So, you know, if we can get seas two foot or less, let's go out there and look. And then we have lots of other plans too, because if not, we can go from tarp and we can look at the jetties, right? Yeah. Look for, we can go look for jacks. You know, we, we can, there's still a lot of fun stuff outside of, uh, trout and redfish. Oh yeah. And worst case scenario, you know, if it's if the winds, you know, thirty miles an hour or whatnot, let's go catch some redfish. Yeah, that's something we've definitely learned, you know, over the years, but especially doing this podcast is develop some contingency plans, planning out a trip ten days out, right? Yeah, dude, that's been a new one for me too, and that's been the challenge. You know, I bet people listening can probably see it too, but but um, but yeah, it's uh, if you're planning a, tr- you know, because a lot of times I just look at it and be like, oh, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to do, you know. Yeah, right. But now if we're planning a trip and we get you get everything in motion, you know what I mean? Right. Your contingencies kind of still have to be similar to what you're what you're planning for right right yeah well that's why i was so gung-ho on the shark fishing regardless of the conditions is it's like if you don't go you don't know and yeah. so well and, and 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 realize that you spent you know probably three nights of tying leaders too <laughs> <laughs> so right on yeah that'll be a fun trip man y'all are gonna have y'all's camper galveston island state park that beach is super fun um and they've got all the facilities there that y'all need right i'll get the I'll maybe bring the boat up from Matagorda for one day and, you know, meet y'all out there. And, uh, and yeah, dude, we can, we can just basically say like, Hey, we're going to go, you know, go offshore, you know, near shore off beachfront, look for tarpon. Yeah. If, if not, then we'll work our way back in, you know, we can go check out the jetties. Mm-hmm. I don't think you've ever fished the Galveston jetties. No. They're huge. They're yeah. big. Um, Never seen them. Never seen them. Yeah, yeah. we'll go check it out. Oh, well, no, I guess that's a lie because the on the east side of the beach, that's the jetties that that branch out into the Gulf right there, right? The yeah. Ship channel. Well, so you've seen, you've been yeah. to East Beach, but I've never been yeah. out, out out on the yeah out on the jetties or even on the boat. Uh huh. Yeah. And um, and then we just work our way in, you know. And and um, I'm still really holding out for um. West Bay, you know, if we can get the conditions right and stuff, and you know, you can find you know some jack schooling in the bay. Yeah, it's always a lot of fun. Oh, you yeah. know, and well, and you've already been doing that too. So we've got a lot of options there. We'll check them out, and uh, yeah, man, I like it. Yeah, and uh, we'll see if uh, some storms start rolling into the Gulf because that'll change everything. Dude, and, and too, you never know. You know, when those storms start put, that's where I see the craziest stuff happen, man. From yeah. the storms, so. Um, I've seen, uh, you know, we used to fish the San Luis Pass Pier a lot growing up. Uh-huh. 
And and I, you know, it's just trout, 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 big trout. You, you know, what we were talking about earlier, you you put stringers full of 25-inch plus trout. Yeah. And, um, and I've seen, like, before those storms roll in, I've seen tarpon get in the pass. Yeah. You know, crazy stuff happens. So you never know, man. If that one in Puerto Rico builds up, but it's not, you know, a super bad hurricane, you can... Yeah. Maybe you get good surf. Maybe get some crazy fish action. You know, right. it's, it's uh, you just got to be ready. Yeah, absolutely. What um, where's the, where do you normally like to launch if you're gonna head out towards the jetties and off the beachfront in Galveston? Oh man. Oh well, I don't know. I gotta look at that. But the um, the um, what you call it? The yacht basin. You know, they're on um. What is it called? I think it's got like new owners now. I heard I heard it was I need to look that up, man. Yeah. I heard somebody was telling me it was like some ridiculous boat launch fee. Hmm. And um I don't know. That'd be a good point. I need to make some phone calls. Okay. That'll work. Well, I'm excited. Um I mean everything's close. We're you are gonna be at Galveston Island State yeah, Park, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I mean we can Right. We can go wherever. Okay. Yeah, and we'll cover the details of our, our preparations and our adventure on the next podcast for sure. Right on. Um, but uh, I'm excited. Uh, if we if we don't see a school of 75 tarpon rolling on the beach, I'm going to be disappointed in you. Well, it's going to be a little different than Port A. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, but no, dude, th- it, this is, I think, this is called Tarpon Alley, dude. I mean, th- this is like... And for whatever reason, it's super vogue right now. You know, I think everybody wants to do it and every, you know, but it's, you know, I, I was trying to explain this to somebody a while back. I'm like, dude, like, oh man, can you believe all the tarpon that's come back? I'm like, what do you mean tarpon that's come back? Well, you know, like we're getting all the tarpon in now. And I'm like, I'm not following, man. He's like, you know how old tarpon are? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, no. I'm like, dude, those are like 60 year old plus fish. Yeah. Huh? I was like, yeah, yeah, those tarpon that just came back have been swimming out. That tarpon has been swimming out there for 60 years. Yeah. You know? Right. And so, I, you know, I don't get it, man. But I tell you what, it's it's pretty spectacular. And I, I hope they're getting the right limelight, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, uh, like we talked about, if uh, if you want to write in, share your opinion about trout, you want to talk about hurricanes, you uh, like always, if you have any suggestions on where you'd like to see us go fish. Hey, hit us up, info at Untamed Out or the Instagram, right? That's at right. Untamed Out, at Lone Star Guide. Um, you know, pretty easy to find, at Untamed Out Pod, right? Yeah, and if you need a place to stay in uh, Rockport slash uh, Port A, it, you know, look up our fish camp, Fish Camp Rockport. Especially for duck season, com. dude. I mean, yeah. pretty much wide open for duck season. Like, get your get your buddies. You know, you got three boats out there, right? Get the whole place. Yeah, yeah. We've mentioned it before, but book direct online. Save on those booking fees with the Airbnb. Um, we've we've got some folks out there right now that have booked on our platform and they're enjoying it. So sweet, man. That's all I got. That's it. Head it out. Head it out.